Welcome back to the program. It was Thoreau who said that the masses of men lead lives of quiet desperation. While the characters at the center of Daniel Handler's new adult novel want very badly to avoid that, they find that sometimes the alternative is even more desperate. Daniel Handler is the author of four previous novels, most recently Why We Broke Up, as well as the author of many, many books as Lemony Snicket. It is my pleasure to welcome Daniel Handler back to the program to talk about We Are Pirates. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, My pleasure. It's a pleasure to be back. Great to have you here. What is it about being a pirate, about piracy, that is so appealing, whether it's people dressing up as pirates for Halloween or just this fantasy we all have about pirates? Uh, I think it has to do with being off the map and living a completely lawless life. Um, When I first got interested in writing a novel about people in the modern day who want to become pirates in a swashbuckly classic mode, I started to read more and more studies and uh, literature that convinced me that it was the lure of living completely separate from civilized society that makes it such a deep fantasy. A famous study of pirates is called The Wooden World, which is the concept that once you sit on board a boat and the boat departs from the shore, that really you can make up any rules you want. And I think particularly for adolescents who are among the heroes of the novel, the fantasy of living your completely unfettered life is uh, one that leads to piracy, at least in my book. And as it is for both adults and kids in We Are Pirates, that fantasy is equally compelling to both adults and children. Absolutely. I mean, when I was thinking about who would want to become pirates, I first thought of teenage girls whose lives are under almost constant surveillance and have the weight of so many expectations thrust upon them, and I all often see getting very rebellious and angry. And then the most of the rest of the crew consists of denizens of a assisted living center, um, another phase in your life where you surrender a great deal of freedom and where you're a- under a whole lot of surveillance. And so in We Are Pirates, uh, some teenage girls team up with uh, an old man and a caretaker who work at a senior center and steal a boat to, make, to commit acts of piracy in the San Francisco Bay. Talk a little bit about that cross-generation connection, because we often see, particularly among teenagers that are rebelling against their parents, that there's a bond with the grandparents that's somehow different, that there is this cross-generational respect that that is kind of an interesting thing. Well, I think uh, the biggest uh, look I had of it was when I was growing up with my younger sister, to whom the book is dedicated, that she was a very angry teenage girl, but she also did a whole lot of volunteering with older people. She found, um, I guess, their experience and their outlook on life to be something that was of a comfort and an inspiration to her. And I thought that was a very interesting connection. Um, And then when my father uh, took ill and had to be in an assisted living center, I watched him have very similar frustrations to the kind of surveillance and the kind of curtailing of his life that was going on. He was experiencing dementia, and so he was not clear-headed about everything that was happening. But uh, the rebellion felt genuine, and the anger was genuine. It wasn't the irrational uh, ravings of someone who was affected by mental illness. I think it was a genuine anger at what was going on, and it reminded me of my sister, and it reminded me of, um, of exactly those two groups of people who I think share some of those characteristics. And as we look at these characters, the older character and Gwen in this story, 
Are they rebelling against? What are they both rebelling against? It's the same, and yet it's different in some respects. Well, I think they're both rebelling against um, a freedom that they feel has been denied them. I mean, when you look at the characters of the novel, certainly on a global scale, they're not anyone who's been seriously disenfranchised from uh, freedom and from the delights of life. But Gwen is 14. She's not allowed to take the bus by herself. She, Wherever she goes, she's accompanied her uh, internal dramas and her love lives are completely denied her. There's no space where that can be happening. And then similarly, Errol, who ends up being the captain of the pirate ship, uh, is an older man um, in the earliest stages of dementia. And he doesn't do anything without everyone knowing where he is and what he's up to. And I think both of them find are, have a lot of turmoil about that. And then she starts reading him from pirate literature, which he enjoys, and they take the inspiration from there. Before becoming uh, a pirate in this story, Gwen gets herself in trouble shoplifting, which is kind of another form of rebellion or perhaps another form of piracy. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's kind of beginning piracy. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does. She um Basically, her first scene, she goes in and shoplifts from a drugstore and then realizes that she's being watched all the time on camera, not dissimilar to the way she's watched all the time in her life. Um, her punishment for shoplifting is to volunteer at an assisted living center, and that's where she meets Errol and where they begin to plot together. One of the things they find out is that, particularly in the 21st century, there is no escape, that even pirates uh, wind up with responsibilities and being watched. Well, early when I was researching the novel, I learned this fact that really gripped me, which was that pirates often worked uh, in conjunction with map makers. So if you were an innocent sailor, you would uh, buy a map, and the map would say, there's a waterway over here, there's a shortcut. And you would take it, and it would be a lagoon, it would be an ambush. And I loved that idea, because that idea, of course, is so impossible now. Everybody has a device in their pockets that will tell you how to get anywhere. You hardly give directions to your home to people anymore because the whole world has been mapped out. And so when Gwen and Errol and their crew dream of going somewhere uncharted off the map, they learn pretty quickly that there's no escaping from the world. That you're, if you're in the San Francisco Bay, that is in fact a very small body of water, you're not going to be off the map. You're not going to go undetected for long. The parallel story that is going on throughout all of this is Gwen's father trying to get them back in a, in a pretty hapless kind of way. Yeah, Gwen's father is a uh, radio producer, and he also would like to be a rebellious person. He kind of fancies himself a rascal and a rogue, and he goes on a business trip, which he imagines as a grand adventure, but in fact is a pretty ordinarily, ordinary, uh, fairly unsuccessful weekend and he ends up having kind of a sordid, uh, adulterous encounter with his young assistant. And then he learns that his daughter has gone missing. And this notion that the world is in fact contained, that you can in fact escape from the world, comes to a head while he's searching for her. Um, it's very bad news for Gwen that she can't go off the map because she wants to escape completely, and instead she finds that she's going to be captured very soon. It's of immense comfort to her father Phil, who is searching for her and learns pretty quickly that she can't have gone far. The other thing that this story really brings out is that it's almost impossible to be a modern-day pirate, as you say, that there is no escape, that the tether of anything these days. 
Uh, it's very true. I'm, I'm glad for the opportunity to remind your listeners that piracy is, turns out not to be a very good career choice. Um, whether it ever was is, of course, an open question. But certainly nowadays, the idea of trying to escape from the world um, for, in this country and in this culture anyway turns out to be nearly impossible. Gwen fancies that just leaving the shore means that she's absolutely free when she isn't. She fancies if she attacks another boat that this is just the, the fulfillment of her wishes rather than, in fact, a violent act that's connected to people she knows. And they learn pretty quickly that the consequences are much more dire than they were in their heads when they were imagining their career as a pirate. It does make you wonder if there's anything today in a modern context that is the equivalent of piracy that that could be successful in taking one out of the day-to-day existence that, that one's trying to escape from. Well, I think one of the lessons of the book is that it's impo- it is, in fact, possible to step outside the boundaries of the law, but that you live to regret it. I mean, just as we all know that there are, in fact, instances of piracy nowadays, right. but I don't know of anyone who fantasizes about leaving their job in California so they can go to Somalia and become a pirate. And I think similarly, we have this notion that we might dream of a time of, oh, I'm going to drive faster than the speed limit. I'm going to be as selfish as I can. I will even commit acts of violence if I want to. And that we know, or we sometimes have to learn for ourselves, that these acts, in fact, have a lot of weight. So uh, Gwen thinks she's just going to be a pirate. She hasn't really thought that out. And when she learns that it actually involves attacking people, that it actually involves stepping outside the law, then um, she's in trouble pretty quickly. All those fantasies just go sailing out the window. They do indeed. Daniel Handler, his new novel is We Are Pirates. It's just out from Bloomsbury. Daniel, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. I appreciate your interest, sir. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.